Thank you for firing up the Sunrise Church podcast. My name is Steve Garcia, and I am the lead pastor at Sunrise. We are a community of Jesus followers from all walks of life, all colors of skin, and all ages. And I hope this message you hear today inspires you to deepen your connection with Christ. Let's dive in. Have you ever thought to yourself, no, no one gets me? People just, just don't understand how I feel. I, I, I think I'm, ju- I'm just all alone. Have you ever felt that way? Maybe you're sitting at a table for two and you feel all alone. Maybe in your marriage you feel all alone. You can even be with family during the holidays, and feel all alone. You might be at school with, with all your friends and feel all alone. You might even be in church today surrounded by all these beautiful people and still feel all alone. I hope you don't feel that way today, but the reality is that sometimes that happens. And I'm not talking about being an introvert Right, and, and taking those limited times of isolation where you actually get energized and charged up. I'm talking about the difference between feeling all alone and just being all alone. There's a difference. Because if you're all alone, you might not feel lonely. But sometimes, as I mentioned, you can be surrounded by a sea of people and have that sinking feeling that crippling feeling of loneliness. And that can be not only unhealthy, but deadly. As I was perusing through a bunch of songs about loneliness, and there's not a lack of them, right? They usually have to deal with heartache and, and, and breakup. Some of you might know this classic from the 70s by an artist named Al Green. I'm so tired of being alone. <laughs> right? Yeah, I am going to sing a little bit, just a little bit. <laughs> what, what about an even older song by a gentleman by the name of Roy Orbison? Only the Lonely. <laughs> There's a more modern song by Jay Beeb. That's Justin Bieber for those who don't know. He just has a simple chorus of, I'm so lonely. What about the uh, maybe favorite karaoke song by Celine Dion? All by myself. (laughs) I don't know why Pastor Pedro won't let me on the worship team. I just can't figure it out. Or maybe one is the loneliest number that you ever knew. The list goes on and on and on. As I was driving, I was listening to a radio station that I have tuned in, and the song I was listening to was encouraging me, it was inspiring me, it was reminding me of God's goodness, and then I hit this patch where it was just static. And then the static ended, but there was a different song playing. And I'm like, this doesn't sound like the latest uh, contemporary Christian music (laughs) that I'm used to listening to. And As I listened to it, it drew me in, and I want to play that song for you right now. Check it out. 
So as I heard that song, mid-song, that refrain, run away, run away, really resonated with me, and I shazammed it, right? That's like Google. It's a verb now. And it's an app where you can, you know, find out who the artist is, what the song is, and even the lyrics. And so when I found out that this is Post Malone and the song is called Circles, I thought it connected with what I want to share with you today. The song that I want to share with you from Scripture today is found in Psalm 142. And ironically, it was written by a man who was running away. That man was David. And before we get into Psalm 142, you'll notice in your Bibles, whether it's digital or physical copy, that you're going to see a, a superscription on top, a heading and there's only 13 other psalms or 12 other psalms that have this available to give us a context of what the psalmist was going through during uh, this time that he wrote the music and composed this piece. And we find two things here. This was written by David while he was in a cave, and it's a prayer. And so there were a couple of occasions where the psalmist David found himself in a cave one being in the city of Agilom, and the other being in the desert oasis of En Gedi. Based on the details in the psalm, uh, as he mentions, feeling all alone, I believe that he wrote this upon his arrival in Agilom. It's a short psalm, but it's jam-packed. Let's look at it now. Verse 1 tells us, that David, again, is praying. He says, I cry aloud to the Lord. I lift up my voice to the Lord for mercy. I pour out before him my complaint. Before him, I tell my trouble. Right from the jump, we see that David is extremely distressed here. Right? There, there's this feeling of helplessness, and he's not bottling all this inside. Right? No suffering in silence for David. He vocalizes his feelings. He's pleading for mercy. I picture him in that cave praying, screaming, shouting, and the echoes of, Lord, have mercy, mercy, mercy. Right? I'm like, David, that's not a good tactic. They're going to find out where you are. But he didn't care. Right? He was hurting. And what is he doing? He's bringing his complaints, his, his troubles to God. And it's, it's noteworthy to understand that this word complaint isn't a trivial thing, right? This word denotes deep expressions of grief, right? This wasn't like calling customer service and hearing that automated voice, thank you for calling. You are caller number 586, 
we will get to you in one week. <laughs> right now, this wasn't that. This, this wasn't even him complaining about finding a, a strand of hair in his food. This, this was him complaining about the constant threats on his life, and they were legit. And so as we look at this, as we see this desperation, we realize why he was running and hiding in the first place. It's also important to know that he was on the run from King Saul, who was paranoid, who was envious, and this was his version of Hunger Games, right? There's open season on David. And it's, it's kind of funny in a sense because David was enlisted in his service. He was part of his army. And David was a little frustrated, to say the least, and, and confused because Saul would just switch up on him constantly, right? One moment he loved him for all the success with the military campaigns, and then the next moment he wants him dead because of his being consumed of jealousy, which helps us hopefully understand verse 3 a little better. He says, the enemy, excuse me, he says, when my spirit grows faint within me, it is you who watch over my way in the path where I walk. People have hidden a snare for me. All right, so now we see David scared for his life and his distress is turning into despair and even depression. And I believe part of that is because of what David was experiencing in life at this point, his expectations. David was actually anointed to be the next king of Israel. And this happened when he was approximately 15 years old. But he didn't know how long this would take, right? He, he didn't know how long he would have to wait before he wore the crown. What he did know was that God was doing something in his life. And what we also can see in 1 Samuel 13 is that there was something happening behind the scenes that God was shifting and, and planning a, a transition because King Saul clearly disobeyed God's commands. In chapter, chapter 13, verse 14, we read this, but now your kingdom, Saul's kingdom, must end. For the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. The Lord has already appointed him to be the leader of his people. And again, the reason is because Saul did not keep the Lord's command. So what David knew is that he genuinely and dearly loved the Lord. What David knew, again, was that something was stirring, that, that God was working behind the scenes. And then Samuel was instructed to do the following as we jump to 1 Samuel 16, the opening verse tells us that Samuel was to fill his flask with olive oil and, and go to Bethlehem. Find a man named Jesse who lives there, for I have selected one of his sons to be my king. Right? And out of all the sons, we find out in verse 13 that it was David. So as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil he had brought and anointed David with the oil. And the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. So we see the prophet Samuel tasked with, with finding the new king. And this was oil official, right? This wasn't just a recommendation that one day this might happen. We'll see how things work out. This was God's promise being given. And so David, once again, knew that he would be Saul's successor. 
David knew that he possessed now this, this spiritual vigor that he had not previously known. And then we jump to 2 Samuel 5, starting in verse 2. It says, in the past, when Saul was our king, you were the one who really led the forces of Israel. And the Lord told you, you will be the shepherd of my people Israel. You will be Israel's leader. And then verse 4 tells us that David was 30 years old when it happened. For those that are doing the math, that's 15 years before he was crowned as the new king. Ladies, imagine a 15-year engagement. Right? He, he, he dropped to a knee. Right? He, he gives you the ring. You're wearing it. You're excited. You're telling everybody about it. But the wedding day isn't until a decade and a half later. <laughs> Fellas, maybe your team has been struggling lately. And draft day is coming up. And this once-in-a-lifetime high school athletic sensation is going pro this year. You haven't had a first pick in the first round forever. Right? It's all speculation until they call his name and he's wearing the jersey. Right? There's a process. There's a wait time that sometimes we experience. And David did as well. So let's go back to our psalm for today, verses 4 and 5. It says, look and see. There's no one at my right hand. No one is concerned for me. I have no refuge. No one cares for my life. I cry to you, Lord. I say, you're my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. I hope you have somewhat of a, a better idea of why David was so distraught and, and felt so dejected. It's because life didn't make sense in that moment. When he was supposed to be reigning as king, and he was willing to do so righteously. He wasn't, right? Instead of reigning as king, he was running from the king. And, and this happens in our lives in, in, in this way. When we have certain expectations, and they don't equate to our existence, right? They don't match up to what we believe we deserve or what we believe should be happening at this juncture in our lives, and when that happens, we tend to feel a, a, a sense of abandonment. That, that my family's abandoned me. My, my friends have abandoned me. Everyone has abandoned me. It might not be true, but that's how we feel. But as we read, David ran to God for refuge. He was still clinging to that thread of hope despite what he was enduring. And then in verse 6, it says, Listen to my cry, for I am in desperate need. Rescue me from those who pursue me, for they are too strong for me. David was a highly skilled musician. He was a battle-tested warrior. He was even endowed with, with the power of God's spirit. And, and yet, he still needed God's protection. He still needed God's comfort. He still needed God's strength. And then he closes with these words in verse 7. Set me free from my prison, that I may praise your name. Then the righteous will gather about me because of your goodness to me. 
he came to a certain conclusion despite the feelings of desolation. And, and I believe that this prison that he mentions, th- that he was locked up in more ways than one. I believe he was in a physical prison or a cave, a, a dank and dark place. This feeling of maybe solitary confinement, and that's a punishment, a severe one for a reason. But I also believe he was in a figurative cave, prison, in his mind, feeling lonely and, and, and feeling depressed. But, again, despite that, despite that desolation, he was able to write this song for the lonely that we can sing today. And he came to this conclusion that God alone is the reason you're never all alone. It's true. It's true. And for the rest of our time, I want to unpack three reasons why God alone is never why you're all alone. And I want you to, to do this in times of loneliness to remember these lessons, to remember these reasons, and to remind others of them. First one, God alone is always available to you. And when I mean always, I mean always, always, always available to you. Let's go back to verse 1 and 2 of our psalm. What did David do in his time of despair? I cry aloud to the Lord. I lift up my voice to the Lord. I pour out before him my complaint. Before him I tell my trouble. As much as we want to be there for others, especially our our closest loved ones, right? We are limited in both our ability and availability. Even, again, if if it's the person we love the most on, on this earth. We literally... And and that's the sense I'm going with. We literally cannot always be there for them. We can sacrifice sleep for a couple of nights to be there for our loved one in every waking moment. We can drop everything we're doing and, and rush to their aid in case of some sort of emergency. We can even use up all our accrued PTO if the situation is prolonged. But the reality is we got to get back to work. we got to handle business. We have other obligations that are awaiting us. Sometimes we, we have to put on that do not disturb status. And, and we're going to let others down simply because we cannot be around all the time. And David, David, whereas David, as he looked at this situation, he demonstrated, even though he felt like no one else was there for him, At that time, God was with him the whole time. Amen? (laughs) There's another psalm that he wrote. It's Psalm 139. And there's a cluster of psalms. It's kind of like an album. I think it goes from like 138 to 145 in the Psalter. But look at what it reads in verses 7 and 8. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven... You're there. If I go down to the grave, you're there. And and so David is making a point here from A to Z, right, from Alpha and Omega, the the two extremes, the highest heavens, down to the grave. 
God is there. God is always there, even when it feels like he's not. And people who genuinely love you, again, as much as they want to be there for you always. And I appreciate that sentiment, by the way. Like, hey, bro, you know I'm always there for you. Like, right on. Thank you. Appreciate that. Send him a text in a time of need. What, what happened? <laughs> it's been 24 hours, 48 hours. If I was a missing person, <laughs> there'd be some trouble here. It's going to turn into a cold case, right? But again, they, they want to be there for you, but they cannot be there for you. Let's look at one of the opening lines from Post Malone Song Circles. He says, I couldn't be there even when I tried. Guess what? That's you. That's me. Those are the limitations that we all have. Right? Even as a husband, I want to be there for my wife always. As a father, I want to be there for my kids always. As your pastor, I want to be here for you always. But I can't. It doesn't mean that I don't want to. It means that I can't. But guess what? God alone can. The Lord is always available to us. God alone is always available for you. Here's the other reason. God alone knows every emotion you experience. Every emotion. Let's revisit how David was feeling in this moment. Going back to verse 3 here. He says, when my spirit grows faint within me, it is you who watch over my way. You see someone who physically faints, and you know that's an issue. Hey, someone call 911, right? This is not a, a laughing matter. When you feel spiritually faint, that, that's also a big problem. But, but it might not be immediately visible. But this is how David was feeling. He was overwhelmed with the thoughts uh, that were emotionally draining, that were mentally crippling, that, that were spiritually taxing. And it was something that was happening within him. You see, when we carry this type of weight, we just wish and hope and pray that someone will come along and say, hey, I know exactly how you feel. I know exactly what you're going through, and it gets better. Right? We long for that, and sometimes people have said that to us, but, again, in the literal sense, do they know exactly how you feel? No, because we're not all the same. It might be similar. They might have gone through something that is familiar to that, but they don't know exactly how you feel. And, and we come to the realization that nobody totally gets us. Maybe someone, again, kind of, sort of, but no one knows us so intimately. That, that deep down inside, that, that connection to truly know what we're going through. No one except God. He knows every single emotion that you experience. Look what David spouted out because of this feeling in, in verses 4 and 5. Look what he said. He said, look and see, there's, there's no one at my right hand. And, and that right hand uh, speaks of direction and guidance. Uh, no one's concerned for me. Right? No one cares for my life. That wasn't necessarily true because David did have people that loved him. He had a best friend named Jonathan. He had a, a big family, to say the least, that loved him. But again, even then, they could not be there in the way that David needed at that moment. 
Even if they were around him, there's still this limitation of being able to fully emotionally support a person. In other words, they, they just lack the ability to understand what you're going through. Look at what Post Malone said again in one of his verses. He says, maybe you don't understand what I'm going through. Right? In his song, first it was his inability to be available for her. And then now it's her inability to understand and read his mind or hear his heart. You know, I think of myself and, and some teens that I know, when they hit a certain age, all of a sudden the people who love them the most just don't get them. <laughs> like, Mom, you, you just don't get it. Dad, stop telling me that, that you know how I feel, that you're used to this, used to that. All of a sudden, they just don't get it anymore. But that's not the case with God. Let's go back to Psalm 139. Listen to this. Oh, Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it. God alone knows every, every, every emotion that you experience. And then the third reason why God alone is why you're never all alone, is that God alone has the power to free you from your prison. Let's go back to the closing lines of Psalm 142. In verse 6, again he says, Listen to my cry, for I'm in desperate need. Rescue me from those who pursue me, for they are too strong for me. This is when loneliness can become lethal. This is when we're overcome by, by the, the power of feeling all alone. When, when we're overwhelmed at the thought of going on another second without anyone by our side who, who, who gets us. When we're overpowered by the feeling that the only way out is to end it all. I believe this is why so many people take their lives that were unexpected. And I'm not claiming to be an, an expert in, in why th this happens. I know mental illness, mental health ha has a, a large part to do with this. But I also know that God's powerful presence changes things. Listen to this final prayer from David, this request that he had in verse 7. Set me free from my prison, that I may praise your name. I want you to look at this picture. It's a picture of a cave. It was shot near the hilltop ruins of Agilom. Now, I don't know if this was the actual cave that David was in, but I made a couple simple observations about this cave. And I know you're going to say Captain Obvious <laughs> is in the house, but it's dark, isn't it? Loneliness can be a very dark place to be. 
And then secondly, you can go in and out freely, can't you? There's no bars. And so I believe, and I know it's easier said than done, that loneliness is an option. We can choose to stay in this prison or we can let God and the light of his truth lead us out. Listen to the chorus again from Circles. Run away, but we're running in circles. God can free you from your prison of loneliness. But as I mentioned, you have to let him Bring that light to your darkness so you don't have to feel like you're constantly running in circles, that you are going from lonely situation to lonely situation. Look at how the prophet Isaiah encouraged God's people on this topic. In chapter 41, verse 10, he says, Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. They're too strong. Your emotions are too strong. Your situation is too strong. But God is stronger. (laughs) And he will hold you up with his victorious right hand. And then this is how the psalm ends. It says, then the righteous will gather about me because of your goodness to me. I don't know if David just called it. Or if you, you know, snuck in this last line after the fact. But eventually, people started to gather around him. Suddenly, he wasn't all by himself. And in this feeling of loneliness, which was only for a season, even though it feels like it's going to be forever, subsided. And it wasn't because of the people around him. It was because he came to the realization that God was always with him. And whatever you're going through that season of loneliness, it's only temporary. You might be grieving the the loss of a loved one. That's a lonely place to be. You you might be going through a a hard breakup. That's a lonely place to be. You might be a new empty nester. That's a lonely place to be. You might be starting a new school or a new job. It's a lonely place to be. But even in these seasons of solitude, God's goodness will prevail. (laughs) Look at what happened After David was alone, or at least thought he was, in 1 Samuel 22, the first couple of verses gives us some insight here. David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam. When his brothers and his father's household heard about it, they went down to him there. All those who were in distress or in debt or discontented gathered around him. And then He became their commander. About 400 men were with him. He started as one in a cave, and all of a sudden he's surrounded by hundreds. But but I can't stress this enough. After processing these thoughts and these emotions, he knew that he was never all alone. Right? Because again, he was praying to God in that condition. And in that cave, God was with David, and David praised him. In your cave, God is with you. Will you praise him? (laughs) Will you praise him? And now, David, he's not only free, now people are coming around him. What kind of people were these? We just read about it. They were discontented. 
Right? They were distressed just like he was. And now he had the opportunity to tell them, guys, you're not alone. You're not alone. How do I know? Because I was seemingly all by myself here before you came. And I was never alone. That God was with me. In fact, solitude is a spiritual discipline that helps us know God more intimately. Jesus himself practiced this frequently. Right? You read about it in the New Testament that he would go and pray in isolation, not to clear his head, but to meet his father. Right? And sometimes feeling all alone is the only way to realize that you are never alone. That this is the only way that you would be drawn closer to God because otherwise you wouldn't. And as we remember this prayer to God that David prayed, so can we. And sometimes... I just have to, to mention this. That episodes of isolation are actually part of God's sovereign, divine, perfect plan for you. We might not be able to wrap our finite minds around why we are put in those moments and in those seasons. But as strange as it sounds, it can actually be the best thing that ever happened to us. After all, it happened to Jesus. When he needed his friends the most. This is what happened in John 16, verse 32. It says, but the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now when you will be scattered. Jesus talking to his disciples. Each one of you is going his own way. Leaving me alone. Yet I am not alone. Why? Because the Father is with me. Again, Jesus himself experienced utter abandonment. He suffered extreme loneliness. So it's safe to assume that Jesus knows exactly what you're going through. And I mean that in the literal sense, exactly. Part of it is because he's God and knows you from the inside out, but also because he went through it. He's gone what you've been through. He's gone through what you're going to go through. And again, I want you to just absorb the weight of his desertion, of his desolation as he endured the darkest hours on the cross. Matthew 27, 46 gives us the details. At about 3 o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? He was abandoned by his casual fans. He was abandoned by his closest friends. He was abandoned by God, his father. Why? So you could say, I will never be. So you could claim that promise that God alone is the reason why you're never all alone. I want to leave you with this final verse in Hebrews 13. It says, for he himself has said, I will never desert you nor ever abandon you. You might feel alone, but God Again, we'll never leave you all alone because he did that to his son. 
on the cross. As Jesus drank the full fury of God's wrath, he was exchanging his loneliness for yours. He paid the entire price of sin that you deserved because sin separates us from God and and sometimes the things we do, the decisions we make contribute to our loneliness. But God said, it doesn't matter. I'm going to come and I'm going to be with you. You'll never be all alone. But this comes, this promise comes only by entering into a relationship with God through faith in Christ And so if you're ready, if you've never done that or maybe it's been a while and you know you don't feel God's presence. Not that he's not there. It's just your busyness or or your sinfulness has caused you to experience that. I want to invite you to receive this promise. So if you're ready with every head bowed and every eye closed and every heart open, cry out to God. Say, God, I'm crying out to you today, pleading for your mercy. I confess that my sins have contributed to my loneliness, but I believe that Jesus was crucified and forsaken in my place so I could be forgiven, so I would never have to be alone. Thank you, Jesus. Change my heart, transform my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer today, we want to know about it. As I mentioned, we can't always be there for you, but we're going to try our best. And when we can't, God will fill in the gaps. But if you made that decision, please, on your bulletin, there's that connect slip that Deandra spoke of. And fill that out. Tear it off. Put your info there. Let us know that you said yes to Jesus. Put that in the offering bag as it comes by in a moment. And we're going to connect with you. We're going to help you fight your feelings of loneliness. We're going to help you get out of that prison. You don't have to do this all by yourself. For those online, that includes you. The host will give you some instructions. In fact, everybody, if this is more convenient for you, text the word next to the number 909 281-7797. And our team will get with you and, and they're, they're not going to leave you hanging like some other people who've said that in your life maybe. We're going to connect with you. We're going to help you understand that God alone is the reason why you'll never be all alone. Remember, God is always, always, always there for you. This speaks of his omnipresence. That God knows every single emotion that you experience. This speaks of his omniscience. God has the power to free you from whatever prison, whatever bondage and shackles that you find yourself in, which speaks to his omnipotence. We're not like that. God alone is. And so I just want to encourage you, remember these things when you find yourself in that moment and remind others of these beautiful truths that God promises us because God alone is the reason why you'll never be all alone. Amen? Let me pray. Father, we thank you so much for speaking to us today, for encouraging our hearts, 
you alone know exactly what each and every one of us is facing, what prisons we find ourselves in, and, and maybe it's not loneliness, but yet we, we can't free ourselves. We need your power. And so, Father, I pray that as you provide every single need we have, that you would provide the strength and the power to liberate us from the chains of darkness. And then, Father, I just thank you so much for the generous people of Sunrise Church. Would you use these tithes and offerings to advance your kingdom, to help us reach a world who is hurting, a world that is experiencing heartache, a world that is lonely, so they could find that they're never alone with Jesus Christ. In his name we pray, amen. Thanks again for listening to this podcast. I want to encourage you to not just stop here. Maybe you sense God is speaking to you today and wanting you to take that next step. So here's two ways you can do just that. The first is text the word next to the number 909-281-7797. That's 909-281-7797. You'll receive a message back with some ways to help you grow. That may mean joining a small group or finding a place to serve or just talking with someone one-to-one about your faith. You can also visit the notes for this podcast and follow the links provided. And if you're within driving distance of one of our four physical locations in Banning, Ontario, Rialto, or Victorville, we'd love for you to stop by sometime and give us a chance to meet you personally. Again, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope to see you soon. God bless.